Welcome to the Hypergens Founders Podcast, the show where we explore the secrets behind brilliant minds running successful B2B companies. I'm your host, Alex, and we'll dive into conversations with inspiring founders each week. From garage startups to global enterprises, get ready for inspiration, insights, and secrets behind their success. If you're curious about how these visionaries are turning their million and billion dollars ideas into reality, then this podcast is for you. Stay tuned for engaging discussions on technology innovation and leadership. This is the Founders Podcast. Let's dive in. So for today's guest, we have the CEO and founder and one of my close friends, Assetto Close Jordan. So welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thanks, Alex. It's nice to be here. And uh, yeah, because we were such good friends, I think it'll just be like more of a, a fireside chat, just hanging out, talking like those other podcasts out there. Exactly. All right. So Jordan, we've worked for a while and maybe you can tell us what's the story behind your company. And I guess, why did you pick that name set to close? Yeah, so the the story behind the company is a little bit longer, but we'll go to the name picking first, and then I'll, I'll tell you guys a big story. So we pick the name, obviously, in sales, you start with prospecting, like setting up meetings, and then the important thing is the close at the other end to power your business and get new customers. So we thought it was a, a pretty apt name because we take people from the set to the close. And so it, it surmised a, a sales business that we are setting up and what we wanted to do. But yeah, the name is exactly what it should be. And people get it. They're like, oh, that's a very salesy name. And that's what we wanted to be was very salesy because we develop systems and processes and things. And uh, so the story behind the company is a little bit different. Um, I come from a supply chain background. So very nerdy operational process development sort of individual. And Alex knows this because I'm always like, why do you do it that way? Why do you do it that way? I ask why way too many times. It's like a five-year-old child. And in terms of it, I took that kind of methodology and I went into the sales world because in operations, you make a set amount of money and that's all you'll ever make. And I was more kind of entrepreneurial in nature. And I said, okay, how do I do this? I could put a great person into a bad system and you get bad results. And I do a good system and I get results. And so learning that if you have a great system, you can get great results was everything I needed to move the programs forward, right? That was where I decided, okay, I shouldn't be in sales recruitment. I should be in systems building and use my process knowledge to build great systems because that way I could find how to do the most justice for the company and for the candidate. And so when you look at a business, all it is systems, processes, and people. That's it. There's nothing else to it. So how we do things, why we do things, so on and so forth. And I just went on that journey and said, how do we do that the best? So we started out with a group of a couple of us and we started figuring it out and we're more old fashioned. So I come from a farm and I built things out traditionally and we went with manufacturing and distribution. So a lot of your people you talk to are probably in SaaS and those fancy industries. We know how to make sell widgets. We know how to sell things that other people don't like good old manufactured goods. We know how to combine sales teams that are nearly dead or newly wed, as they say, right? There's nothing in between in manufacturing. You have the new generation or the very old. And we started building systems around that to make things happen. So that's how the company came about. We just saw there's a big need in the market that people don't have systems and they struggle with them because most entrepreneurs have a gift. It's called ADHD. It's attention devoted to a higher dimension. 
So they're always flying around and they can't focus on doing task work. They're always like, I got to sell this. I got to make this happen, but they can't focus on the details. So we created this engine to focus on the details while they go off and build the company. And so that's where we came came into an existence and why we're there. So the reason is just to, to do justice and actually make businesses have lower failure rates and way more success rates. And we did it in traditional sense. We went after those for-profit businesses that aren't just hopes and dreams. We went after the manufacturers and distributors that are moving and building things around the world. Yeah, and that's always interesting to me because we work on some clients together, but the interesting thing is that you guys work with more manufacturing, like more traditional businesses, which I think definitely lack like some of the systems that a lot of tech companies have. How did you identify that market? Was it because of like your previous background working with those people that you saw that big need for them? There, there's two things. When I looked at it, I'm more of conservative in nature, right? So I come from a farm, simple backgrounds, and then I went to school and went schooling in Europe and I did my master's degree over there. And since I, I lived supply chain management for so long, I learned that traditional businesses know how to make really good money and the tech sector was just arriving. So I wanted to build a company that was built on the pillars of what builds society. So the first choice was, from a conservative standpoint, was these companies, they make money, they're residually making money, and they're much easier to scale because they have models that don't change as much. But when you look at a SaaS company, there's evolution like every 10 minutes. And their go-to-market is shifting like a spinner all the time. But when you deal with a manufacturing company who's building, let's say, an engine, and that engine component or goes into a factory industrial application, that does not change that much in a week, a month, a year. And so that allows you to build real consistency in your process and build things through and make really good strides together. So I like the consistency of it, but I also like the stability of it. And when you look at those industries, you're always going to need your toilet paper. You're always going to need um, yeah. your, your drywall for construction. You're always going to need these things. But no one's servicing these areas because they're not fun. Yeah. And they're always when I want the newest AI tech product that makes my robot dance on my desk. But they never think about, okay, what produces this marker, right? And who's out there doing it? And how are they selling billions of these around the world every year? So yeah. there's a huge opportunity to do things that aren't as sexy in the market. And that's how we carved it out. And then people who are traditional, which is 80% of the market is doing these traditional things. That's a huge marketplace when everyone's chasing the 20% sexy new coin of AI and technology. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. It's like everyone's focused on these flashy things, but in the back, there's like all these people already making a lot of money, like doing regular stuff. Like you said, like daily things we're using every day, we don't even realize what makes set to close different from all the other like sales agencies out there. Because there's a lot, especially in the service biz. We're a little bit more of a RevOps model. So what I mean by that is in terms of everybody else in the market, they're going after trying to sell you leads traditionally. Like they're just going after leads. Like I'll put my guy on the phone and we'll create 10,000 leads that are super qualified for you. And we traditionally know that when you outsource a sales team, your failure rate is very high. 
We know that, and that's why we believe in sourcing teams. So what makes us different is we build the systems process and then we hire teams internally, like we've done for Hypergen. And you guys have a great sales team that's just going to the moon and back every month. And I remember when we first met, uh, Alex, you're like, man, I don't want to be doing every sale. And now you don't have to do any of the sales, which is fantastic as a business owner. I know there's probably a lot of founders listening and saying, what? What do you mean you got out of founder-led sales? Like you, you get to relax and build your business? Yeah, like there, there is a path forward. So that is the path that we we help people choose. And what's different is we go systems, process, then we put the gasoline in the engine like you guys. That's why we use Hypergen, just a little plug, the, the best outbound emailers on the planet. And that gasoline helps power that system. And then we just add great people to it. So what makes us different is we take a very strategic approach versus just throwing mud at the wall like everybody else. We try to figure out your business, what's going to work, what are your competitors doing, where are you placed, and then we build a system around the low-hanging fruit. And there's a lot to pick. Like everyone right now, so there's a recession. I'm like, for some people, there's a recession. But for people like Hypergen and Set to Close, there's no recession right now. <laughs> We're so busy hiring and booming, we can't stop, right? So it's just how you look at, at the marketplace. You mentioned that uh, a good system is important, and now you've told us a lot about that as well. How do you define a good system? What are the, I guess, three to five things that you look to have before looking to hire that first salesperson? One of the original things one of my mentors taught me in business, first out of the gate, if you don't measure it, you can't manage it. So uh, the hallmarks of a good system is that it automatically is measuring what you're doing. And that allows you to put your manager hat on and help people in your company grow their weaknesses, like fix the pieces that are missing. So the Hallmark's best system is that first off, it measures things quickly. The second is that it allows testing and iteration fast. So I'm a scientific guy. So if we're putting a hypothesis in place, just like in an experiment, I want to be able to test it quickly and see the results. So there's an old supply chain adage, which I brought to sales, which is plan, do, check, act, right? It's like a little circle. And it's for continuous improvement from those smart Japanese people called Kaizen, right? Comes out of Motorola and Toyota. And we apply that to sales in the same way. So a good system can measure really well, and it's automated. You can test quickly in iteration. And then it's easy for your employees to engage with. I've seen the fanciest systems in the world that are amazing that nobody uses. That's the tough part. That's the third missing equation. So if you have a very like difficult Salesforce implementation with every bell and whistle coded in, but no one knows how to use it because it's so complex, that's not good. That's not going to produce the best sales results. So especially in, let's say, small and mid-sized business, the challenge really is UX and UI from a system perspective, because it's only as good as the data that comes in. For example, if most of them now are integrating well with email and tracking and things like that. And you can do parsing, which means you're reading within the client and it's producing actions and triggers within them as well. So the level of automations and integrations have to be very high. But those are the primary things that I look for in a system itself are those abilities to, to measure and manage really important. And the UX and UI drive, it, it has changed it has changed so much. And just in the last six months, the new tools that have come out with AI to be able to actually, when you're working in a client, to learn what you're doing and suggest different actions. That's the next thing. So it's going to be telling human beings how to be a better human being. 
And I think that's a wild innovation that's coming. When you have the right system, how do you find like the right people? What really amazed me is that when we work together, you pretty much brought in four or five people to talk to us for free positions. And I think we ended up hiring like three. Like you only brought in people that were, you said you would hire yourself. How do you pick those like amazing people? I think my words were to you exactly. If you don't hire this guy, I'm hiring him next week. So it better do it. <laughs> but that was for at least a few of them. That was really funny conversations, right? How do we do it? That's a combination of just, there's a lot of looking right? In terms of having Indeed's out, LinkedIn's out, posting to every job board that's possible, having a really good talent management system or what they call nowadays ATS out there looking. The second portion is psychometric testing. As you've used and I use every day in our business, we use psychometric testing and this allows us to build templates about what good people look like. And is it gospel truth? No, but does it give us a good indication of will that person be successful? Yes. So if we can increase our hiring effectiveness by a factor of two to three, just by adding psychometrics, that's winning right there. So that's one big part. Second part is we know what a salesperson looks like. We've hired so many salespeople, it's ridiculous. So I know what a good SDR looks like, a good account executive looks like. Now, the funny thing is like you and I, we sell into the American space, right? The US space primarily, but you're being Eastern European and me being Canadian, we're not from there. But there's an advantage, like for your team, we have a lot of Canadians on board. And the advantage to Canadians, we're, we're in a very mixed up world and how Americans view Canadians is different. And we talked about this before. In America, there's a big divide. There's reds and there's blues. But when they look at Canadians, you're like, hey, you're the nice people from the cold place. <laughs> That's what they think of us as. I don't know if they think we're Eskimos or what's going on up here. But the idea is they like Canadians a lot. So Canadians can sell into both marketplaces pretty effectively. And we were just nice in-betweens. As I said, we're very polite and we see the world from both sides. And so we're able to sell really well. So picking good sales teams depends on who you're selling to, who your market is. Do they know the market? Can they relate to people? And here's the biggest thing I think was with your team. Do they fit the culture? And I think that's the one big conversation that we ever went through was that cultural conversation. Like we found one talented, really talented salesperson, but they just didn't fit the, the mix. It didn't fit the je ne sais quoi that you guys have yeah, going. Yeah. And that was the, the conversation. We didn't end up hiring that person. We ended up hiring a person who really did fit. And because there's a, they're having fun with the culture and they're enjoying it, like everyone came over and you guys just did your villa retreat and things like that in the mountains in Eastern Europe. And everyone really enjoys it. Like your culture's fun, but you have to have people that buy the dream, the vision of the company versus just how much money can I make? No, I think that's a really important fact, like for sure, the culture, because especially when you're like a smaller company, like you don't have all those benefits like the bigger companies so like it's not the pay it's more like yeah where they can grow and what they can achieve their own most importantly like having fun while you guys are all working on it together yeah and then that's an important thing is like we've even just hired um, another person recently and one of the reasons we hired them they're very relatable they're very similar to us and how we work and, and how we see things and it was never like the handout mentality we come across a lot of talented people that always ask for a bit more and as soon as they do that we know what fair market value is and as soon as they do that it's like a red flag like that fast and i'm not saying don't negotiate salaries and things like that but be very upfront with it. 
don't bury it in the second and third conversation. Be like, this is my line. Here's why it's my line. And be very like, have good reasons for why you should be paid what you're paid and be very straightforward and honest. A lot of people, what they'll do in their negotiations for salary and for all the employees listening in and business owners, this is a huge red flag. If you say yes to something up front, preliminary, but then come back and try to renegotiate things. Because that, that's how we know yeah. how you do your life. You, you're, you're not, you don't speak in candor, right? You don't speak in honesty up front. And then that shows a character flaw immediately. It shows that you're not confident enough to present that. And so what we look for too is it, when we hire is extreme confidence because we expect that Jocko Wilnick's extreme ownership from our people because we don't want to overmanage. Neither you or I, Alex, is, is an overmanager, right? We don't do that. We look at our data and we let it be the guide to us. And if clients are happy, wonderful. So that those are some things I really want to stress is when people are looking at hiring, that negotiation process is everything. And if there are, if you're if you have a little bit of indignation in there, don't hire the person. Just say no. That's my whole thing. Is there's that little feel in your gut, yeah. right? Just say no. Just say yeah. no. It's better to struggle and lose some hair. Okay. Speaking from experience <laughs> to grow a good business and spend more hours. Like I would rather work the 60 hour work week or more than hire the wrong person and try to work 45, but you end up working 80. So that's the the difference in between the two. And I think you've seen that too in the past and we've all been through those spurts, right? Yeah, for sure. No, I definitely agree that you shouldn't hire someone who's mediocre. You should really look for like top performers, especially when you're smaller. Awesome. So maybe now we can jump more on the business part. Growing set to close, what has your approach been growing the company? You guys are scaling like crazy right now. So how did you end up there? I think this is more like a founder level question. I think you're like me, fortune favors the bold, right? The old Greek idiom, fortune favors the bold. And I think a lot of people come into business and they set the wrong goals. And you have to be tied to the right goals. And I think that will keep you going to hire that next person, to take a little bit more risk, to add that next variable to the business, to work that 90 hours a week that you sometimes need to work to win at the start, right? To, to get to the point where you're where you and I are now, where we have balance, right? We have success and balance and they, they, they come in hand. Too many people stop short. They have small dreams. And I think it all starts with the why, what you're pushing for. So as I said, to close, we're looking to build orphanages around the world with our first one going up in Colombia next year. And the idea around that is that we teach people business skills and then we give them micro loans to go be entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs in their countries when they finish at the orphanage. And with that focus on growing leaders and mindset and things like that. So I think that every company really to succeed here and, and stay in fortune instead of fear is have a goal that's always one step bigger. And if you have a goal that's one step bigger, I think that provides your success. I think it really does. Like, how do you scale? You grow with vision, you grow with passion, right? People buy that. So in our own company, we have meetings that are what we call horizon meetings, three horizon meetings, right? So the first horizon, and this is how we work in our company. So I want, I want to give you an inlay into a successful company. I think that's what makes us different. The first horizon is 70% of the time, we're just doing the work that we should. That's the work we know how to do. That's exactly the same as the clients before, and it gets stuff done. 
Like it's our, what we call our meat and potatoes approach. You guys probably have that. Then we have our horizon two, which is like the dessert. And that's one step on either side in iteration on innovation, right? So we're looking at, okay, within one standard deviation of the line, how can we innovate for this client? And that's 20% of our time. Can we add this chat box? Can we write this way? Can we test these new theories? Just within one step of the line. And then we have horizon three. And internally, we call it crazy ass shit. So for everybody out there, that's what we do. And so 10% of our time of our people, so four hours a week for a standard person, is devoted, and we have a Friday morning meeting on this, to bring alive our crazy ass ideas. And that's where there's no stupid idea. I want to try this. I want to do that. Now, what has this brought to the company? Everyone is focused like an entrepreneur is. They're like, how do we make it better? How do we make it bigger? How do I improve my position? How do I do this? So people say four hours a week is a lot. And I would say, actually, it's not enough. I would love to devote eight hours a week to it. But the idea is just all of our innovation for our company right now. And the reason that we're leading everybody else, and yes, what the difference was that horizon approach was the fact that we allow people to be creative and bring up crazy. And some, lots of them just don't work. They're awful ideas, but that's okay because we've had five or six super brilliant ideas that separated us from everybody else in the pack. So now when we sit down with clients and we talk about how we position things and move things and rotate things, we're, we're faster, we're better. And that's exactly what people need. They want it fast and they want it better and they want it cheaper, but we don't offer cheaper. We ask for fast and better. <laughs> you only get one of the three or two of the three in sales, remember? So that's the idea of what we do and how we constructed our backbone. Awesome. Yeah, I think as a service business, I think you're completely right. One of the most important things is to always innovate. You said it yourself, there's always new tools. ChatGPT came out. There's other sales tools that are amazing. And I guess from those meetings, let's say from the last couple of ones, like what's something that your team tested out and you're like, oh my God, it's like something amazing. It doesn't have to be a huge thing. So there, there's two things that, that came out of the last meetings. It's identifying market opportunity and how we can support customers better. So like for us, we're moving to add more fractional services in terms of like management and coaching. But the important innovations that came out of that is what are people doing? How are people receiving it? And what's more beneficial? So we came up with some methodologies and program improvements to be able to combine these kind of factors and identify them at the right stage and know when to insert the right component. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, so uh... th th that's something that came out. Plus, we added three more really awesome AIs to our backbone and those came out of it. We've been testing them. So yeah, there's the easy ones, but that the methodology about how to grow your business is the important one that came out of it. All right. Growing set to close. What are some of the most significant challenges you've had along the way? We all know that when you grow a business, you don't exactly take a paycheck for the first little while. That's the hardest part, right? You're inserting capital seeing the bank balances at the start of it go down until they go up rapidly. That's the hardest. And just staying brave, knowing that, and this is an important thing, you're going to have down months. Don't lay good people off. Keep your people, invest in them. Even if you have to sometimes pull from your own bank balance to get it done, keep it that way. And I think fostering through those harder times that we went through the right way and investing in people really changed things, right? So the challenges that we faced, I think that the way we overcome them 
is my business partner, Ryan and I, we really close relationship and we help each other's check balance for sure. And that helps a lot like you and Kian internally as well. It's the same sort of dynamic. I think having the visionary integrator mix is good. So when you face challenges, you're not captaining alone. And I know there's a lot of entrepreneurs who are out there who are alone, but my suggestion is that if you're a visionary, get an integrator. If you're an integrator, get a visionary. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, go read Rocket Fuel by Gina Wickman and see what it's all about. Awesome. Yeah, that was going to be my other question. What advice you might give to entrepreneurs if they're starting a B2B service or SaaS? But I think having the right partner, I completely agree. It makes a total difference. And it's totally different when you have someone by your side just like going for all these nights working grinding yeah if you have someone who believes as much as you do i think that's really important and my big advice is that people build companies so despite your big ideas you can build a great company on a real normal idea and have huge success if you have good people and if you have the best idea in the world but you have bad people you won't have a good company and I know this because traditionally we work with a lot of companies like grain and milling companies, for example, that's not sexy. It's not new. It's been around for thousands of years, but they're really successful because they have fleets of good people. And I think that's what a lot of entrepreneurs skip. They're sold this thing in their mind, like, we've got this great idea and my idea is better than the world. And like the idea is you want to say our people are better than anybody else in the world. Like they can get it done. Like I can, I can assuredly say I can put my team into almost any scenario and they will come out in the top 1% of RevOps professionals on the planet. And that's what I want to be able to say to people. Not that I can beat everybody because the point is not to beat everybody. I want to make the company money, right? I want to bring money to the table. Like we did for you, you and I working back and forth. We really helped each other grow and build and become super successful. And so that's what I tell people. It's not about being number one. It's about being able to push people into that 1% of companies that are just flying. And so that's what we focus on here is how can we be in that, that 1% of abilities on the planet? So the challenge as an entrepreneur is to stop thinking about competition as a win-loss and start thinking about competition as an improvement game. And I think that's the greatest challenge to keep in mind. I love it. Yeah, that's a great thing. And yeah, definitely I agree. Like ideas and products change, but I feel like people, they don't change as much. At least like the values that we have. That's a really good advice. The things that I see as really important going into this next phase of what business is with the advent of AI, and I know a lot of people are scared, is you have to focus on innovation. You have to give time to your people to do it. You have to reward them to it. You have to realize that growth is gonna be way different than it was before. It won't be linear in fashion and it won't be a hockey stick in fashion. It's gonna be like a rocky road because the competition and the speed of competition is increasing. So what you need is you need things that allow you to keep your eye on the prize. And so you need good systems, you need good processes, you need good people within them to power them. And if you're missing one of those three, you just won't compete. We're going to see a lot of businesses die and a lot of businesses grow fast. For example, our businesses are growing really fast. But I talked to uh, a person yesterday, they're like, oh, recession's hard right now. And I'm like, no, it's not. And they that really, I saw their wheels go, what? What do you mean? What do you mean it's not? 
And then we had a really honest conversation about it's maybe where you're placed in the market or what you're hunting. So if you're hunting in a forest with one deer and there's 50 people hunting that deer, that's going to be hard. So that whole blue ocean thing about finding places where you fit better, like you have, you guys have made a space and an outbound email and outbound outreach, which is unique. And same with us. Hey, we, when people come to us, even tech companies, they're like, Hey, you, you, you actually sell real stuff. You live manufacturing just, yeah. Like it's conventional line stuff. People want more convention nowadays. And so I would say to people, stop looking at the sexiest thing on the street, have a good system and process and do what other people are falling out of. Now, let me explain. This is my last piece for everybody. Boomers are leaving the market. There's an opportunity to take over and buy their businesses and become that next generation, the greatest wealth transfer of all time. They don't know how to keep up with tech. You do. So as young entrepreneurs in the market, get ready to buy things on fire sale because people are going to want to leave the market. They, when you say AI to a boomer, their head goes boom, right? That's how that works. You have a huge opportunity. And I want everyone to know if you, you learn to master systems and processes and you find good people, you can take over these companies, become multimillionaires and get to enjoy the rest of your life because everybody else doesn't want to take responsibility nowadays. And I heard this one thing on a podcast and they said, the best part about today is most people are weak and asleep. And it just allows those of us who want to compete every day to take over so much easier. So I would say the competition today is five times less than it should be because of TikTok and Instagram and Facebook and people wanting just to go do a travel video and they're not focused on the prize, but great. So if the whole world is distracted and there's less of us pursuing it, that's why I think we do so well, to tell you the truth. I think the whole world is like focused on the next TikTok trend while we're grinding business out. And so my last words to everyone is if you want it, Right now, probably the greatest opportunity in mankind of, of ever. And you're hearing recession all over the world. No, not for people who want it. You're, you can become a millionaire easier today than any time in the history of the world. Amazing. You guys heard it from the guy with the best mindset right now. <laughs> <laughs> is, is there an Eastern European way of ending like a, a night, a tradition, something like that? Is there some special thing that you guys do? Oh man, I don't know. <laughs> it's not as flashy. <laughs> Maybe like a Canadian way. <laughs> Canadian way? A Canadian evening, we just pass out from too much beer. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's the same like in Eastern Europe, it's just like different alcohol. I think, I think it might be the same. I appreciate you very much. And I'm excited. I'm excited by you know, the fact we're both growing at rapid fire and that I'll be in Bulgaria in a month. So yeah, for sure. <laughs> excited to have you, man. Awesome. Thanks so much for jumping in. Yeah, absolutely. Guys. Talk to you. Bye-bye.